Okay, hi guys. It's already nine. I think we're all here, right? Yes. We're all here. Awesome. Uh, I'll just give a brief intro. I just want to say good evening. Assalamualaikum to everybody here. Uh, quick introduction. I'm Madiha, the Executive Director of the Content Forum and your host for tonight. And for those of you who are new, hi the everyone. Content can Forum. you hear me? Yes, Shani, we can hear you very loud and clear. Thanks. Awesome. Okay, so we're all here. So just just a quick one for everyone. Um, what the Content Forum is, some people might not know. We're a self-regulatory organization. We advocate for self-regulation of content, and we do it by way of a content code, which all the speakers are actually quite familiar with. Uh, it's just a set of best practices and guidelines uh, used for a reference point for all of us, and it's currently being updated. So all of you are welcome to join us in this. Just go to contentform.my. Now, one of the things we're doing with the new content code is um, to have stronger provisions for children. And, uh, you know, we all know it's not easy being a parent uh, to digital natives. We never quite know if we're striking the right balance between protecting our children and preparing them for the online world out there. So that's what we will be talking about tonight with a pair of parents I have much admiration for. We have Dato Fazli, Datin Azrin, as well as Nazrin Rahman and Shani Ingan Lee. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I know how Mondays can be for working parents. So it's really good of you to join us this evening. Thanks so much. Uh, Everybody okay? Our pleasure, Diha. It's always good to be invited and always good to be remembered. And I know that, you know, when you sent the invitation and I saw Nas and Shani and said to Fazi, we're doing it, we're doing it. You know, we'll, we'll be feeding off and bouncing off each other because we all know each other for ages. <laughs> yes, we should. And the thing is, um, I, I hope you know you're all, you all know that um, I am recording this. It's part of our awareness exercise. I hope that's okay with you. Um, we won't be using it unless I get your consent, of course. But uh, it's it's good to have your ideas. I know the both of you, well, the pair of the both pair of you. How do you say that in English? Both pairs of yous <laughs> are, are, are doing your best. Uh, so maybe we just start off a bit of um, do you remember kind of thing. At what age did you start to be online? Do you recall that? Because for me, I think I remember in my day, and this is really exposing how old I am, right? Uh, we're talking about apps like Friendster, Yahoo Messenger, ICQ, MIRC. Do you remember what was your first exposure online? Yeah, I remember. That was like um, just after our SPM, right? So that was when the web decided that, you know, ICQ, IRC all will come out. And then we were all so fascinated with our dinosaur laptops that weighed a ton because um, laptops had just come out as well at that time. And we were all going into all these individual chat rooms for different purposes, but mainly to to create our own avatars and different personas, never admitting who we really are, what height we are. <laughs> what name did you use, Azreen? I can't remember the word. I know I had like several because I could never oh remember my, my passwords. Yeah. But, several um, identities. Yes, yeah, several identities. <laughs> How about but you, yeah. Nas? I, I, I started. <laughs> Aduh. Hey, actually, your introduction, kan, nak cakap kita expert, kita bukan expert, no. We're just two pairs of parents who are absolutely trying our best. Itu yeah. saja. The sharing is <laughs> is for all parents out there, you know. And and we have to, jangan gimbling tenaga together. But in terms yes. of, uh, 
IRC was my preferred platform. I remember my brother was getting into it. And so everything I got, all the IT knowledge, all from Abang. So Abang, black sheep of the family. So he convinced <laughs> my father. At that time, connection, 14.4 kilobits an hour. Wah, hebat sungguh. <laughs> and so... And so gave the birth to the nickname Gigi Paga. So I was known what? as Gigi Paga on IRC. What? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Does that mean braces? Well, it meant braces, but I didn't wear braces. So I didn't, I couldn't think of a name. So I just whacked one. So I was known as Gigi Paga sampai lah, uh, college days, actually. <laughs> That's how popular it was. Oh my goodness. Shani, how about you? It's it's amazing that I never actually bumped into Gigi Pagar on MIRC in those days. But yes, I was from the IRC generation. Um, I'm pretty fortunate because my parents are pretty tech savvy. They were one of the first few adopters for the internet when it first appeared. Um, so they got they, you know they were first adopters for a computer. So we had those big bulky ones because my dad was a software engineer. Oh. Um, so he, we got one of the very first computers. We got one of the very first, we were first to sign up for internet. Um, so we really were exposed to all of this at a very young age. Um, and so we, were, we also probably got an earlier opportunity than most people to explore the internet because my parents were actively exploring it as well. Um, but right. in terms of social media, I think the closest was IRC. And um, I was on MIRC, uh, particularly Mamak Chat as um, oh my god, Boo Boo. <laughs> oh my god, I remember Mamak Chat. Yes, that's yes, right. Mamak Chat. <laughs> oh god, memories, yeah. memories. Exactly. So, did you Absolutely no idea. <laughs> My parents did not know what the internet was, did not oh know why we had to have it in the house. My, my brother fast talked my parents into, we must have this, this is for the future. And my father was like, how much is it? That's all that matters. So once all that was set up, he didn't know what we were up to at all, which is, which is quite cowboy. Lah. And those lessons actually, so help us shape us as parents because we knew, we know what you guys are up to. Ah, so it sort of set. I think even back then, it was quite evident how dangerous the internet could potentially be because even back on IRC, um, it was already being used for all sorts of um, <laughs> um, sexting. And yes, that kind of yes, back then. that's hey, right. What kind of childhood do you have, my love? Apuni. Yeah, there's <laughs> all types and we met them. I was what, 13, 14 years The God, I, I, he was a guy I, and nobody wanted to proposition him. But at the minute someone knows you're a young girl, well, there you go, right? Yeah, you start get all the pings and all those chats open. Yeah, I remember that. Fazli, you've been quiet. Did you have a did you have an IRC thing too? Is he putting the kids to bed? Yeah, ah, sorry. Can can you hear me now? Can can. <laughs> Sorry, no, I was listening in. I, I was confused. What's Mama IRC? I don't know those these things. I'm I'm too young. Yeah, I'm right. Right. You, you all no, you all have to know. How old are you guys? Datuk Fazli ni, Datuk Fazli budak baik. Okay, dia tak buat kerja ni semua. Ah, masa sekolah dia tak buat semua ni. 
No, really, I I wasn't aware. I mean, um, I'm, I'm pre- my dad's pretty much like Nas, I guess. He didn't allow us to have internet, so I wasn't allowed to be on this uh, so- social network whatsoever. So um, I was a late uh, comer into the system. And when I was in the system already, I think we started having all these chats on emails. I, I can't remember what it was called. But I knew about Mama, um, but I wasn't on it. I'm, I'm too young, I guess. So um, I think the process of uh, understanding social media was a little different for me. I grew up in Indonesia. And um, being Indonesia, it was a different world altogether. Where being an international school, um, we chat on a different platform where it's only allowed where the parents um, guarded by the teachers and whatnot. But I know of Mamas, yeah, and I know what happened, and I read about it, and saw my friends on it. So I guess um, it's something I hope our kids do not have to go through it ever. Right, right. That's that's really interesting. So, yeah. what was your first exposure to social media? I mean, emails can't be. Uh, were you on MySpace, Friendster? Um, well, for me, I was. Um, for quite some time on MySpace, if I'm not wrong, but uh, only okay. to share music because I was already playing music and singing and whatnot. So we shared music content on MySpace. It was quite an avenue for us to exchange uh, our work when it comes to um, creative content, and that's about it. But then I remember my dad just took off, um, took a laptop, and just throw it on the floor because he saw me chatting to a girl on a white on 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 uh, MySpace, and I was merely sharing um, a music link, if I'm not wrong. And then my father said, why are you talking to a girl? You're not supposed to do this. Internet's evil. So, you know, p- parents um, at this age, I guess it's it's something that we all try to do. We try to um, prevent our kids from being too honest online. But at the same time, preventing is not always the best way. You need to expose them a little bit, but with a bit of intervention. But I did not go through that. My father was a little too fierce. So my space was as much as I went to um, social media. But um, we had this content. I don't know whether you remember this. Uh, Yahoo was on it. Yahoo and Hotmail. I, I, I presume many of us, I mean, many of you who are much older than me, <laughs> knows what a... Preston, I'm being Preston here, okay? So anyways, uh, this Yahoo thingy and then we had Hotmail, they, they had it, their own chat, if you know, if you remember this. So it was a little different. So we can chat with Yahoo um, owners and uh, with uh, different texts and whatnot. So exchanging files was what I was using it most of the time. But then um, my parental control from my parents were a little too much. They went through every single thing that I had to send in and receive. So um, it got me even more wild, you see. When um, there were other platforms, I went to other platforms just so that I can chat without my parents knowing. So what I did now for my kids, I have to allow them to be on uh, platforms that they need to be on with a bit of parental control. Because okay. I didn't want them to go through what I went through. Okay, so let's go back to that. Let's circle back to that. So you were, you were very much under your parents' control over yep. your mind space, etc. So you found a back end, a back way of, you know, doing things that your parent was not allowing you to do. What was that? What what? Okay, um, channel? I don't know. Maybe someone can can help me on this. It was this platform that you need to be using your hotmail hotmail account or your Yahoo account, it's similar to Yahoo Messenger, but it's a hidden messaging platform that your parents won't be, won't be able to go through it. It's almost like a um, password protected. 
So I was able oh, to chat on that particular screen. Oh. I can't remember, but I, um, I had many friends from international school. They were using this. So you say, Fuzzy, go on through this. So when your parents come in, just click this button and um, the messenger thing will go missing and it looks like you're studying. So I did all that, you see. I went through the weird way, but I got through my own platform and get. I got to chat with my friends. But I felt bad after, you know. Um, um, uh, like I said, I don't want my kids to go through the same thing. I don't want them to hide from me. I didn't do such things but I, I know Fazli ni jahat rupanya apa ni message secret-secret ni astagfirullahaladzim no I wanted the CBNer girls you know but I got BBJS girl what am I supposed to do tak memang macam tu CBNers dia ada dia punya class dia tinggi sikit cewa jangan marah okay bye Nas <laughs> if I if I can, Madiha, if I can just yeah. uh, go back a few years before IRC <laughs> and all that to the time when we had telephones, right? Um, my parents didn't know much about social media and messaging on um, via the internet. For them, they were quite clueless about that. Um, so they didn't really monitor my activity much on that because they had no idea. But prior to that, prior to the internet, we had the telephone. And my parents were very, very fussy about my usage of the telephone because there was people calling the house all the time. And we would, of course, wait until our parents go to sleep and then sneak out to use the phone, you know, in the middle of the night and talk to our friends until early in the morning. So what my parents did was they used the old-fashioned way. They found this telephone lock where you can lock the keys and it's got a physical lock on it. So they stuck this thing on the keypad to prevent me from using the telephone. Oh, wow. But kids being kids, you know, Fazli. So Fazli's talk of, of finding a way around it kind of triggered this memory for me because kids being kids will always find a way around whatever your parents are doing. I managed to find a way to still dial my friends even with the keypad locked with a lock and a key. Imagine that. How did you do that? Did you know that when you, you know, the receiver... The um, what is that? The thing that that you know when you put the phone down, the, the thing gagang, there. Gagang, yeah. The the ah, that, 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 button, thing, right? Yeah. Do you know you can use that button like Morse code? Wow. Tap out, really? Tap out Much the more phone advanced. You need. Oh my goodness. I wish I knew you then. <laughs> yes. And how did we find out? Is because we share among our friends ways to get past our parents. Um, so if our parents are monitoring us a bit too tightly, p- children have ways to get past and around their parents' control. Well, that Even hasn't changed. Then. Yeah, well, until now, it has not changed. And Shani, my God, you clan girls all very naughty, yeah? <laughs> oh, I wasn't the only one, believe me. But just to say that whenever there is parental control, kids will always find some way to get past it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Their, their brain is just hotwired to do that, to be quite honest. Okay, exactly. so, all right, so now you remember your childhood, you remember your teenagehood, you know how smart you guys were back then and still are. Do you think you would have had it better back then if you had access to smartphones that the kids have now with the built-in recording features, the fast connectivity and social media? Do you think it would have been good for you if you had access to all this? No. <laughs> no, no, no. I think we've had to have exposure for the last 20 years to really get to a point now where we understand what we're dealing with. You know, smartphones are so powerful. They're like supercomputers in your palm. 
if we had been exposed to something like that 20 years ago, I think we would not have had the mental maturity to have caught up with everything a, a phone can do now. Even then, with just a very basic IRC, you know, you could still get up to all sorts of nonsense. Bayangkan, if kids those days had access to a smartphone without the mental maturity that kids have now, I, that the thought is kind of scary. I've always maintained in this day and age that uh, the hardest thing our kids have to do is they have to be mature and make mature decisions before they are mature. And it's getting younger and younger. You've got to teach children certain concepts that you cannot expect them to understand, you know? And and they have that blank face on. They ask you, why? Why is it like that? And that's the hurdle that all parents here, if all of you here who are listening who are parents, you know what I mean. They have to make mature decisions before they are mature. Contoh ada tak nas? What kind of what kind of decisions or what kind of things are you you feel your kids are exposed to? Okay, uh, for example, not... for example, um, all the devices that our children use, they all have uh, antivirus and parental control. Yeah, so we do our very best to filter out as much as possible. But there are times where certain pop-ups will come out, or there are certain things that they do. Uh, sometimes their friends share links and sebagainya, and they click on those links unknowingly and they're led to certain sites and our children are thought that okay you see certain things you know this is a no good site and you have to switch it off so that's the kind of decision my god if i was a kid like what switch this off but this is cool uh that's the decision they have to make because it leads down the rabbit hole of all sorts of unpleasant things which i too malu to talk about if my wife is is got less shame than me then maybe she she dares to talk about it let me put it this way. We have to have those conversations with our kids to help them mature faster because whatever we do, even though Naz and I have done the parental control thing, uh, we've got the antivirus and all that, but our kids have still managed to find a way to get around those tools. And so if we don't have those open conversations with our kids to let them know what's right and what's wrong and, and make them mature, even if we feel they're not ready, because they will be exposed to it whether they're ready or not. So I'll give you an example. My son, um, my youngest, at the age of five, already knew how to delete his history, right? He was Googling things that he had no idea what they were about. And then knowing that this was wrong because the results came up, he knows that this is among the banned list at home, which is blood, bogel, and violence. Okay, these are the three things. If the kids see blood, bogel, and violence, they're supposed to quickly switch it off or close their eyes or whatever. Obviously, he knew he had seen something wrong. He deleted his history. And so we were not able to detect what he was doing during his online class two years ago for the longest time. So we had to have these conversations when he was five. Five years old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with Shani. I mean, like, Fazli and I, we've got three boys. One has just turned into a teenager. Um, he's just turned 13. But, um, Abang, I'm going to, I'm going to treat the pasal uh, Faris and what happened at the music school. And then, that was like the first time yeah. we ever realized. I know. That I, um, I know you're... where you're heading. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but... that was the first time we realized some serious conversations needed to happen very, very quickly. 
So Fazli and I were always, you know, we're, we're very organized in the sense that we, we, we do have a chat about when we're going to do certain things. So one of the things that we agreed on was, look, if we find that Faris ever displays certain signs that he of um, attaining sexual maturity, then we would sit him down and have the birds and bees talk. Okay, but Fazli it comes from a very, very, very traditional family where birds and bees talks do not happen until you get married. The parents are very, you know, the, the, the Malaysian and the Asian parents are very, very um, uh, cautious and reluctant to have the conversation early on. Whereas I was educated uh, in in a in a um, international boarding school, and then I I went at the age of seventeen to the UK, and as soon as I was in the lower sixth form, we were already exposed to sexual education um, courses, and everything that needed to be discussed was discussed. Whereas in Malaysia, the children only get that taste if they're in national school system. Maybe I think form two. So. Um, what happened was we were sending our children to a music school and there's a there's no waiting area except for a common area kat bawah and there at that area they have a computer and the children can you know have a have a run around or whatever so fazli had come to pick up our son a bit late and it was raining and our adopted brother ran to go and pick faris up faris not realizing whilst tengah galit dekat computer ni um, that his uncle Nan had had uh, come up behind him. So Imran actually had the opportunity to see what Faris was Googling or what he was up to. And then he was shocked and he went pale when he got into the car. And then he said, look, we need to have a conversation about like really quickly because Far Faris was doing something. And when Fazli heard what was happening and what was being Googled, Fazli hit the roof. He really hit the roof and without saying anything, came back and he said, you know, this is the reason why, you know, we have to kuatkan agama, we have to send the kids to agama's class more more frequent and all this. And I, I was very confused and said, can you please just calm down and tell me what is going on? And he basically said that Faris was caught googling dolphin having sex with female. What? And then, what? ah. Did you say okay. dolphin? Dolphin having sex with female. Oh and I my! Said, that's a very, that's a very. I did not expect that at all. That was yeah. Not what I was yes, you see, you know? imagine this. When I got into the car, when uh, my brother was in the car with me, he said, "Abang, um, we need to talk." Remember, the boys were talking about some things, and his friends was asking him to do these challenges. And I asked him in the car, I said, "What were you googling?" And he said, "Nothing, did I? Nothing. I didn't do anything wrong." But he was already puchat lah. So, of course, right. I got very angry and got home. I, I don't know where where it came from, but I let Azrin speak to him. If not, I'm ngamuk. Nanti yeah. habis rumah tu. So when, we, when we had a chat, and I said, you know, whatever it is, we come down, we ask the boy, what happened? So, it transpired that masa solat Jumaat, the children were all longgok together with the older boys. And the boys were discussing that this dolphin having sex with a female, um, you know, was a good video to watch. And as a 10-year-old, he doesn't have any concept whatsoever of all these things, except for curiosity. And he was thinking, what is this? Because mom and dad don't talk about it. We never, you know, come across all of that. So that's when his curios curiosity got the better of him. And he Googled it. And I said, by he was caught in time. None caught him. But then we sent Faris off. And I, I spoke to Fazli. I said, look, right now, you have to understand. 
these are contents that are usually what 18-year-olds did in our time. But we have to accept the fact that children are getting more and more matured and are exposed to a lot of adult material that we were never exposed to when we were that age. And it just so happens that our son is 10 and he has no concept of what he's doing. So we need to put a stop to it now. And I said, we need to make sure that he understands the concept of body, body security, that uh, a male body and a female body are two different, they have different functions. Uh, what are those items or bodily um you know, parts that are giving that different function. We have to explain those things to him and we have to explain why you shouldn't touch somebody if there's no consent. So Fazli was like, I'm not having the birds and bees talk with a 10-year-old boy. I said, like it or not, we got to do it. Luckily, we caught it now. Imagine if we didn't know. 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old, we have no idea. And it's only going to get worse from, from then on. At least if we do it now, he understands certain things. So if in the case of Fazli, and he can't have that birds and bees talk. What happened was I then went to Amazon and we bought a series of books that allowed us to explore that in a safe manner with Faris. And then, and only then was he allowed to be exposed on his own to the world of social media, to internet, because previously they didn't have any Instagram accounts. They didn't have a Facebook account. Um, they could only play certain games and only when we were around. So it became, but that was such a such an amazing story because these are what the kids are struggling with now. And I agree with Shani, if parental controls, no matter how much you put it there, something is going to happen. And it's going to happen when it's not on our watch. And you when know, the funny thing is, um, I, I went back, I mean, a few weeks after when I was calmer, I tried to figure out why were the boys, international school boys, talking about this particular matter. A guy having sex with a dolphin? What's going on? I mean, I, I've never came across these things when I was younger. So I went to the same group of boys and uh, I tried to talk to them. I said, you know, I, I uncle dengar benini and my son got to, to hear all this. You guys dengar solat jumaat. What the hell was going on? What you guys were talking about? And then later on, I figured out it's an anime um, that they were crazy about and that's this game that they were playing anime based so but kids as young as 10 years old the word sex the word uh, the word um, dolphin and female excites them to to understand how come a human being can perhaps have sex with with, with a dolphin so i had to sit faris down on my own um after solat jumaat a week a few weeks after i told them not everything that you hear you can google straight away you need to ask me first and i was more concerned but what was found on the net if he were to google that um, successfully so honestly i mean azrin was right i mean i came from a very traditional family we don't talk about these things until much much later but now after that happened i was a little more open so i gave my kids uh, more access to all the social media but then of course there's new apps that you can use to control their usage and the hours they usually they use so all my kids are now on all social media even tiktok yeah. for that and it's all about communication now. It's like they, they'll come up to us and they'll say, look, this, 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 or X, um, um, I heard about this. And we have a chat about it and it's open so that they don't feel the need to go behind your back to do it, to satisfy their curiosity. Well, um, there's, there's fortunate and unfortunate here in the sense that I know exactly where where, where Lato Fazli is coming from. You know, we come from traditional families, Melayu families. And uh, yeah, we didn't have these sort of conversations. 
my birds and the bees talk was with my father at 16 years old and it was more of a gentleman talk how a gentleman should treat a lady it was less about sex and was more about respecting the woman and this must come from the father figure it must if we're going to raise better boys it must come from the fathers um so across a few years later where i'm now a father where we went through the same uh, episode not not quite as weird as <laughs> dolphins and humans but uh they were younger that was the that was the issue and we found out accidentally because we didn't know that they knew how to delete their history that was the one that was freaked me out the most you know so first thing that freaked me out was alamak they just like us oh no and they're smarter oh no how are we going to cope with this and key uh, word here now so, is they're also younger than we were when we discovered all of this stuff exactly Exactly. So what we, I wanted to impart at a very young age, before they're really mature, that's why it comes to India. They have to be mature before they, it's time. Was to learn how you know when you see these things, like it, it is it's shameful. So it's like why is it shameful? So we had to go into the conversation. Why is it shameful? And why this is the wrong thing to learn from? Because it teaches you the wrong thing about women. Women actually, you know, they, they don't act like this. They don't they don't like these things. So had to then they ask then why do they take pictures and put it there? Oh, I too like that to hide and explain. But we tried our very best, and I was having conversations I never thought I'd have, and I I realized I had to have them from a traditional standpoint, betul betul breaking barriers lah. And I, I, until now I know parents out here are also thinking I don't know whether I'm doing the right thing. I really don't know why I'm doing the right thing, but I have to do this to prepare my children. I don't know how to uh, to to prepare them, but I have to be honest. And it has to come from the right point of view, Lou. Respecting, uh, respecting women. It has to come from But that point of view, you, Lou. You know, Nas. Funny that you mentioned those very sentence, and I would like to also hear. Perhaps this is a question. Sorry, Madia, I'm not taking over your job. But I'm just curious. No, no, you no, see, over, because I'm, I'm about to face it. It's, it's coming few weeks because I can see it coming already. Um, you know, when the kids watch Netflix and whatnot, um, we 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 watch things that are a little different this this the past few years. Where LGBT matters are on TV already, so I've got my boys asking, um, how come it's okay for girls to kiss girls? How come it's okay for guys to kiss guys? How come um, these are on TV? So I've got to be really, really smart in managing these answers. You see, in between religion and and human rights and logic and what they watch on TV, and not just that, not just on Netflix, but if you're talking about TikTok, all. These things are flying everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're trying to do um, parental control. Things like this are still available for them to view. So I'm starting to sense that the boys are already uh, curious, if I may, or perhaps they are a little concerned. How come when they learn a certain thing um, in religion and, of course, in human rights, things are supposed to be this way, and on TV, things are a bit more liberal? So um, I don't know, Nas and uh, Shani, both of you are on TV. Um, how would you manage this? Well, uh, if I can just cycle back a little bit, um, I just wanted to kind of touch on how maybe our style differs from maybe Azrin and Fazli's style. Um, Nas and I don't give our kids; they don't. Our kids have no smartphones. They have no devices of their own. What they do have is they have computers at home that we can see at all times. They're not allowed to watch YouTube unless they're watching it on the TV that's in the living room, so that we can monitor um, what they're watching. But even then, 
they still find ways past it. So Fazli also rightly said that nowadays there's a lot of content on Netflix that we can't control because there's no parental, well, there is parental control there, but it's a lot different from, you know, an antivirus or a parental control on the computer. So I want to just quickly go back and touch on access. When we were younger, you know, where these kinds of things, you know, porn, uh, blue tape, so they, they called it, you know, Playboy, they were not easy to access. If boys and girls wanted to have access to this, you had to kind of do secret exchange at school, put it inside newspaper kind of thing. It was very, very hard to access. Um, and even then, yes, it was, people were still able to do it, but it was a lot harder to access this kind of weird, weird material back then. Um, the key issue now is that we no longer have these restrictions on access. If we control what our kids are doing in one area, there are going to be a million and one other ways the kids are going to be able to get that information. So if I don't talk to my kids about Squid Game, and if I don't talk to my kids about you know LGBTQ, and if I don't talk to my kids about any of these things, whether or not I'm ready to do it, I have to have those conversations because the chances are they have probably already heard about it. If I can just give an example of Squid Game, um, most of the parents, we have a school WhatsApp group where all the parents are on. Most of the parents on that WhatsApp group had no idea what Squid Game was until one parent wrote in and said, hey, uh, if any parents here are not there, are they mentioned about Squid Game? Hey, you better cepat cepat tau, make sure they don't watch tau. And all of the parents, Tiba-tiba went into a panic, say, eh, kenapa kita ni ingat apa Squid Game tu macam comedy ataupun anime ataupun, you know, something silly lah. Nobody had any idea what their kids were watching on TV. So when all of these parents went and asked their children, 80% of the parents on that WhatsApp group found out that their kids had already seen it on Netflix, all nine episodes, without their knowledge. Imagine trying to explain all of those themes to your kids, and these kids are mostly in standard one. Why? Yeah, old. Yeah, exactly. The parents had no idea that their kids were watching this on Netflix. They thought it was safe. They thought, "Oh, a nama Squid Game. This is oh, okay, nothing." I but honestly, nobody had any idea. Shani, it came out like I remember when it came out. It came out in um, October, early first week of October, and I was doing nine days of live stream and my son came up to me and said mama mama we sh you know um there's this thing uh, called squid game and i said oh all right um let's let's talk about it when i'm done with this thing can we can we can we can we maybe sit down and and spend time and watch it and i honestly shani when i was doing my work i thought it was a bloody game i thought it was like roblox Fortnite. Ah, you know, and then I finished la live stream at, at 2 a.m. in the morning. By that time, everybody's asleep. So after nine days, I come in and say, Hey, I, I told Fazi, I said, Bang, bang, apa benda Allah squid game ni? Game apa benda ni? Because now it's like my WhatsApp is on fire because every single adult is saying something about squid game. What is it? And then Fazi says, this thing on Netflix. I said, oh no, did they watch it? You know? And I was just so petrified. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. see. And, and that, luckily, that, my husband was, was on watch. 
And Fuzzy said, look, they did tell me that they wanted to watch it. Um, I said, let's watch one episode and then I will decide whether you continue to watch it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fortunately for us, um, because we control, the, the, you know, they're only able to watch YouTube and Netflix on the large TV in the living room. Um, they were not able to access Squid Game. Unfortunately, because Naz and I didn't know any better at that point, their friends were all talking about it. Their friends had all seen it. Their friends were, had lots of questions that they didn't understand. So they were busy talking about it in their school chat, uh, the kids, you know, and sharing links to the trailers on YouTube, sharing links to snippets of the show on YouTube. So unfortunately, before Naz and I could even figure out what was going on, the kids had already seen bits and pieces of it and already knew that this is something that, uh-oh, this is already crossing the blood, bogel, and violence rule right. that we have at home. Right. And the thing is, that Squid Game on Netflix, on YouTube, we Fazli and I found out, even when the kids were three, there were cartoons of Spider-Man and Spider-Girl having sex on YouTube. Oh my God, YouTube. yes! I saw those! Yeah. yeah, and there were Care Bears having sex on YouTube. And I was just thinking, what is this? Why am I suddenly hearing in the background all these noises that should not be coming from the background? And as soon as I walked into the living room, that's what I saw on YouTube. And you couldn't put a parental control on it because it was a cartoon. Yes, and um, the one that I caught, and this was four years ago, yeah? Four years ago was Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse having sex. And then after that, running around, cutting all of the other Mickey Mouse Clubhouse members, their yes. heads off. Yes. And there was blood everywhere. Yeah. And these are hidden inside, very innocent looking kids content on YouTube. To be fair, I think many parents here are also aware of, of all this really. Like, that's why we're here discussing about it. So that one aspect is, yeah, like Fazli, Azrin and Shani mentioned, uh, on OTT platforms, not just Netflix. Yeah, there's View, lah, there's Key, lah, there's Baganya. So you've got to monitor all of this. But in terms of social media pages, I I, I applaud them lah, in, in, in the sense that Brani, lah, you all, because for us, I, I don't think we'll be allowing them access for quite some time until their late teens could. Um, I'm, I'm just going to use this example of, do you know who the fa most famous Malaysian Instagrammer is? Let's just put it out there. Do you know who she is? Maybe jangan mention nama lah. You can just share. No, nope, I'm going to, I'm, I'm sorry. We're all no, adults here. I, I, I want to know. It. Who is it? Ah, <laughs> she's got 15, she's got 15 million followers. Okay. Oh, I mean, so, ah, sorry lah, jananik eh. Sorry, jananik eh. <laughs> The most famous Instagrammer in Malaysia is Puyi. She's got 15 million followers and there's a reason why. And my first surprise after finding it out was she was putting out pictures where this is pictures that I used to sneak a look at my uncle's Playboy and you see these kind of pictures. And now it's just right there. You don't even have to follow the account. Just type it in the search and you can see it. It's there for, for all kids to see. Oh my God. I, I cannot allow my kids to to such access to such a thing. It's 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 too out there. It's crazy what they're allowing on on the internet, and I I have to put my foot down. Uh, Brani lah, you all, you know. Well, you know, Nas, uh, talking about Brani, um, I, I had a big uh, argument I think with Azrin before, because about 
allowing them to be on social media it's it's alarming for me to be to be honest because i come from a very traditional family but going through what i went through like you said i'm a budak baik and what not yes i'm budak baik but i'm still nakal you know everyone have their own nakalness yeah. so i have my i had i had my own nakalness but because my parents were too strict i found ways to go beyond that and i did more things to 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 feed my curiosity so i didn't want the same thing to go through the boys because having three boys and being being um, in in st john's all all boys school i know how how we all think you know and i don't want the boys to go through the same thing so what i wanted to do is was it was rather experimental where i sat with my eldest boy i gave him a, a smartphone but with a restricted usage and then i gave him um allowance to download certain apps and then once i understand that he's able to know what's right what's wrong then allow him to have a bit more of an access to a certain uh, social media but um i'm i'm still experimenting to be honest with you all with all three boys i hope i'm doing the right thing so far it's okay it's under it's under control uh, they know what's right what's wrong they know what they're supposed to do what not to do and the fact that i need to expose them earlier just so they are filled with information and they know which is the right thing to do which is not the right thing instead of being curious for the wrong thing like what faris had to do he wanted to google the wrong thing that was when i realized okay i need to do this i need to do something different with him so i allowed him to have the, the access to smartphone and more social media and to my surprise the past one year the boys have been really really clean i mean i've i've gone through the uh, uh, the phones every now and then i do spot checks and i've somehow linked their phones to my phone their tiktok accounts to mine so i know what they access and they have a limited amount of uh, hours to to be on tiktok and what not and so far Alhamdulillah, so far. I mean, touch wood lah. Yes. Um, I think Far, uh, Fazli has a list of all their passwords as well. So, every now and then, he will he will go and check whether he can log in. If tak boleh, then he knows the password has been changed. So then he'll make sure the boys update him on the passwords. We all follow our kids on social media so we know what they're posting. So, sometimes when a post is a bit dark or Uh, a bit alarming then we'll have a you know they'll be summoned into the room and then we'll have a chat about it and say maybe you you need to decide whether you want to put take it down because if if it was me and I just saw it and I'm your parent and I'm the person that's supposed to understand you the most right and I saw it and it struck me as a bit odd and it shouldn't be there can you imagine with the kind of mentality that we have on social media with the netizens if somebody were to come across that they might think even worse so it's up to you do you want to take it down or not i'll give you 24 hours to decide and that that kind of autonomy being given seems to work well with our kids and this has only been in the last 2 years because fazli and i were very adamant beforehand and mediha i think you know this as well we were very adamant that the kids would not have phones until they were uh, 17 we were adamant that they would not have ipads we were adamant that they cannot uh, play roblox and they cannot play fortnite and they cannot play minecraft but like it or not we had to adapt because like it or not our children are going to be living in a world that's completely different from ours and they have to be tech savvy and they have to be able to do a lot of things that drives us absolutely insane trying to learn nowadays and it it's it has been proven true especially when the boys 
are now 100% homeschooled and their homeschooling system is not conducted by the teachers but is conducted by us as parents 100% as t- as their tutors as their teachers so they are need to be able to access social media to be able to access google to be able to access youtube and all these myriad of different apps that allow them to build certain skills for the future like it or not we had to do it um i it's very interesting that obviously i think madiha you can see that on azreen and fazli's side um and naz and my side we are coming from two completely different um angles for how we're choosing to handle our kids oh, yeah. different ends of the spectrum yeah yeah and i don't think that there is a right or wrong way i think it's a very individualized approach i totally agree that kids do need to be exposed to tech definitely um and i think azreen and fazli are handle- handling this admirably um where naz and i are coming from is probably guided by our own experience i suppose that we know how how kids can 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 get up to things and i think fazli also went through that kids can get up to things if given the access and the opportunity but also there's another aspect and that is i have a paranoid fear about predators so it's not so much that i'm concerned about what my kids will be doing on social media but more of what other people are seeing my kids doing on social media and whether or not those predators may find a way around the controls that we have put in place the freedoms that we have given them the autonomy that we've given them to access my kids um so i think whether anyone chooses to go azreen and fazli's way or naz and my way the key thing that we need to consider here is communication with our children whether or not like if you give your kids a lot of freedom and a lot of autonomy you have to have a very close relationship to be able to talk to them about what's right and what's wrong but also if you don't give your kids that access you also have to communicate with your kids to explain why you have made such and such a decision so when naz and i had this discussion with our kids we said look we know all of your classmates have got smartphone we know all of your kids are playing roblox We know all of your friends are doing this and that and blah 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 on social media. Mummy and Abba don't want to give you a smartphone or let you play this or let you play that for this reason and why. And so we sit down and we explain the online risk and we explain why Mummy and Abba have made this decision and at which point we will allow them that access when they can prove that they have earned that trust. So I think whether or not you go Azreen and Fazli's way or Naz and my way you still need to have the communication it's imperative with your kids i agree and shani it happened and about aba i'm going to talk about firus now it happened to firus we were so scared about the predators and we knew that the predators were around and they were finding ways around it now there is it was on fortnite correct me if i'm wrong aba fortnite or roblox it was on there is, uh, uh, roblox Okay, it was on Roblox. Now Roblox, you have to go to it's like ICQ and IRC. Surprisingly, when we found out, it's basically these kids go and play this game and they have to go into these random rooms, right? And they get invited into these random rooms. And so there was a room that all the pedophiles were lying in wait and they would groom your child in there. 
starting by being your friend and playing these games and then asking for your number and then asking for your photo. And we were, I think Fazli was sat down watching uh, Firuz play this Roblox and Firuz entered this room and he saw this literally going on. Yeah, if I can explain what happened in the room, which is very scary, and I, I, I had to um, uninstall the, the game for, I think I grounded the boys from playing the game for a few weeks, I think, because I was, I was scared myself. That's ma there, there were many rooms, if I can share this experience for everybody's um, knowledge. This room, it has a pink rainbow color whatsoever, so they invited kids to come over and they would exchange whatever they have. Say if you have a certain um, numbers of what, maybe eggs or maybe a, a pisau couple. So you, you. I, I give you, I give you new pisau, um, you give me 10 pisau. But at the same time, give me your number. If you have a number, maybe uh, your, your apuni, apuni, apuni I don't know what you call it. But that particular character of yours, they will ask you to either strip, uh, put on a bra, uh, take off your panties, um, put on an eyelashes, and a guy will be a girl, and a girl will be a guy. It was so weird out. I mean, I was like, Firuz, what's going on? I don't know, Dida. This this friend of mine, uh, she's only seven years old, but she likes to ask me to dress up and take off my our clothes. And there's another friend that does the same thing. And I was shocked, you know. And then what happened was, suddenly, whilst the game was on, uh, my son's Discord was... Uh, Apony beeping on stop. Two, 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 two. I said, like, "What's going on?" Oh, the same guy suddenly uh talking to me on Discord. And Discord is another platform that is also dangerous for for kids. And uh, when I learned about how these people were doing, um, you know, manipulating the games, I guess um, I got I got freaked out, and I I, I told all boys to um. We had uh, to delete all their accounts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, again. And they were crying because they would lose all the items that they had carefully hoarded over the the however many months or whatever. But yeah, it but had to be done. And yeah, but but uh, having, have, having said that, I did feel guilty, you know, for not allowing the boys to play games. But um, I had to set them down for a few weeks. Every single day, I I went through YouTube with them. I went through the rules and regulation. I tell them what need to do, what what can't be done online. Yeah, they are they are much a safer player right now. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen again. But these are the things that's going on. And then Discord, I'm sure, like I think about a month ago, there was a big um, furor, Diha, Nas, Shani, about um, an international school boy that was on Discord, and he was inviting his friends to invite other friends, and in order to be to gain entry into this exclusive Discord club, the boy will have to take a picture of a female naked and submit that. And it will be analyzed whether it was good enough to gain entry. Oh, my God. It was preferably somebody in their own school, right? They were asking. Yes, it yeah, started out in their own school and it spread to other schools. Okay, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. So can you see how fast these things happen? And it's freaking. It's, it, it used to be when it was our generation, a, a pedophile or somebody that's doing something wrong would only be able to do that over the course of a long period of time. Now, it's, it's happening within 48 hours, one week. And if you're not vigilant all the time and you don't have communication with your kids, you will not be able to catch this happening. 
I think, you know, listening to, to all four of you speak, yes, your parenting styles for your digital natives in your homes are slightly different or different. But I think the key theme there is exactly that, Adrian. You mentioned vigilance and communication, and I think all four of you have that in common. Um, I guess my question next is for for um, for Naz and Shani, right? Um, you you are focused on basically. I think this was something that I, I I saw you have an interview with Jelita quite some time ago, also where you said that you know your kids don't have their own devices, um, they only watch YouTube on the big TV. I think that's still happening now. Um, do you feel how how did you handle that with your kids? Because I'm sure peer pressure is there. They probably have you know their friends saying you know you're missing out and things like that. How do you deal with that? I think um, now for, if I, I just go first or what? Sure, sure, sure. You carry on. Okay, so basically, we basically talk to the kids about everything that we're going to do, what they watch on TV. So one of the things that we do like to do is when they're watching YouTube, we sit down there and we watch what they're watching. So at least we see what is trending, what is cool, what they're into. Um, and from there, we create conversation around the content that they're watching on YouTube. So they're still able to keep track of the things that their friends are doing. Like Minecraft, for example. Minecraft is a big thing for my boys. And we don't prevent them from playing games altogether. We do allow, but Roblox, unfortunately, is one of the no-go games for now simply because of the issues Azreen was mentioning earlier. Minecraft is something we do allow the kids to play with. Um, but there, even Minecraft, there are ways that predators can get hold of kids in there as well. So we've had to sit down and have these conversations with the kids about how predators could potentially reach out to them on Minecraft and why they only play within a certain world. They don't actually play out there in the big network game but just among themselves and among people that they know. Um, and in terms of um, games, they do play on the PlayStation. So they're, they're well aware of what people are playing, just that they don't have the same kind of access to the multiplayer universes that their friends may be playing in. So yes, there is peer pressure. Sometimes the kids do say, oh, you know, none of my friends play Minecraft anymore. They're all playing Fortnite and Roblox. And they do feel a little a little bit of pressure that they're not doing that. But when I sit down with them um, and I share with them what is problematic about Fortnite and Roblox and whatever other games their friends are playing, it's interesting. They're quite okay with that because they're also nervous about what they might encounter online. And in fact, the kids then come up to us and say, oh, no, you know what? We're not ready for that. We're still good with Minecraft and whatever. But I think Nas um, will probably share with you that we've had a different kind of challenge recently. And it's not with Roblox or with Minecraft or even with YouTube. It has been with free online games, um, which my kids have recently discovered as a result of being an online class their friends send them these links to free online games. Maybe Naz will want to talk about that a bit more. Yeah. Um, so another way that we have realized that uh, these particular predators or particular online sites can still reach your children is, uh, I agree with the environment that uh, Azreen and Fazli have set up, where you know you know all your kids' passwords and, and platforms and so on and so forth. So our strategy is a bit different. They don't have their own devices, but it's a family account where everything is connected by accounts so we can track them easier that way so just different strategies but because their friends send them links 
So they innocently click on those links and those links require you to register for you to get extra weapons and this and that. Yes, that's how the gamification process goes. And yeah, so they email. put in, yeah, so, so they put in their email addresses to register and of course get the free items and so on and so forth. But that's how they log you in. And then next thing you know, I know um, Shani was the one who noticed that there were emails deleted and in the trash bin, but they forgot to delete the trash bin. Thank God they're still not that smart yet. But we saw what those links were. And those were not very nice links. They were adult links. And so the irresponsible part is, of course, on their part using these email addresses taken from children's games to send them adult content. But Bocho juga, no matter how well you put up your defenses, so it really comes down to number one, it brings me back to our children must make mature decisions before they are mature and it is up to our vigilance and parents just tak boleh lepas tangan lah. You know, from the examples that we put in Squid Game lah dan sebagainya. And there will continue to be new ways that these people can access our children. So vigilance is forever more paramount uh, in this particular experience that we've had. Basically, I just want to add that if we are going to allow our kids to be digital natives, to have access to all of these things, then we must be prepared to be one step ahead of them at all times, number one. And number two, we must be prepared to have difficult conversations with them that we may not be ready for yet. So if we want to give our kids the freedom and the access to do certain things online, then we must be also prepared to do the two, thing, the two things that I mentioned just now be one step ahead or two, three, four steps ahead of our kids at all times, meaning we must be extremely aware. We have to keep up to date with all of the risks that are presently online, do all of the research that's necessary, um, make um, Common Sense Media your best friend. I think commonsensemedia.com is a fantastic resource oh, yeah. for parents. Um, yeah, and be prepared to talk about it even if you don't want to. That's yeah. really the only that one that that's something i have to highlight communication is really key opening the channels of communication having the trust with your children that's what i won't go into the details of my conversation with my seven-year-old who decided to google boobs uh, or rather emma watson naked oh good yes ah and that comes from my children so that's also another story so we had a different kind of conversation for that one Okay, so just me being curious, right? I think from from the pairing here, we have, I think the fathers in this room are the more conservative ones or, or raised in conservative homes, I think. Um, so when you talk about these mature themes and the conversations that we need to have and communications, do you do that together or, or is it separately or is it based on the issues that you need to discuss with your kids? and who the kids are and your separate relationships with them. No gender bias. No way. We do this together because the impressions that our sons get of women must come from mommy and daddy. The impressions that uh, women get, uh, our daughters get from from men must come from mommy and daddy as well. It must be... Best is both perspectives must come together. Yeah, that's right. I have to admit, though, that we used to have a different perspective on this. Um, when we first, when we had our first few conversations about the birds and the bees, because my son had Google things um, <laughs> at five years old, we had to have that conversation a lot earlier than expected. Um, I sent Naz to handle it because I was uncomfortable. 
because they were boys. And um, when my daughter hit puberty, I was the one who had the conversation about puberty with her. Um, but in recent, um, over the last year or so, I think we've changed our perspective on that because we realize if I'm sending Naz to talk about this stuff with the boys and Naz is sending me to talk about this stuff with the girls, what happens if something happens to either one of us? If I'm not there when something happens to Zara and or Naz is not there when something happens to the boys and they don't feel that they can be confident enough to talk about this openly with me, then we have a problem. So now I think one of the easier ways that we do this is over the dinner table. There's no gadgets at the dinner table. We talk to our kids at dinner time together. And this is where we bring in very mature themes to discuss, but we speak about it in a very casual and open way. So it's not like, oh, we're nagging you. So it's still kept kind of light. We have deep conversations over dinner. And I, I think the kids appreciate that, I hope. Um, but it has allowed us to speak about things that would have been difficult for us previously to discuss. Even for me, raised in a Western household. Yeah. Dinner, dinner is like a, like a speakeasy corner where you can say anything you want. And Abba, Abba and Mommy promise we won't get angry. So far, so good. But then again, you know, with Alvin and Fazli having teenager already, or then, 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 Zara is also <laughs> going through the same thing. Like, so, girly lines, kid. I think for me, it's like, it used to be that... Um, because Fazli was the one that was always the uncomfortable one. So it would it would always be me, Mama, that does it. But um, it's gotten now to the point where because the kids spend so much time with Mama over the, the whole course of the day, they then start to have the conversations with um, Fazli. So Fazli will approach from a practical point of view, from a scientific point of view. And then later on, we'll still have the conversation with me, but... It's more from the emotional point of view. And I'll always be like, how do you feel about something? Um, and it, it allows the, the children to, to be able to have access to both parents and to discuss on what is suited to them or what they need at that particular time, if that makes sense. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I really like the, the, you know, how Naz and Shani does it. it they have this whole... Um, time carved out during dinner to have these conversations. Do you have that too, Azrin, Fazli? Because for me, in my household, it's usually bedtime. Uh, that's where it's like how Nas has described it. It's, it's deep conversations in a light and casual manner. Um, how do you guys do it? Okay, um, if I can take this, uh, what I do with the boys, um, which I have to ex exclude Azrin in this conversation uh, when I have it with the boys, we have a WhatsApp group. Um, where it's just me with the boys without Azrin. So basically, whenever we talk in the um, WhatsApp group, uh, it, it's always something that they can talk to me first before they can talk to the mum. And I've got to be able to, um, to be okay with them asking me all sorts of questions in the WhatsApp group just so that the other brothers can also see. Because they are so close together, the three boys. Every little thing that they talk about, they always discuss. Now that they're homeschooled, um, even more, they always share every single corner of the house to talk about everything under the sun. So I chose to have the system on the WhatsApp that they can voice note me, they can video call me, they can do whatever they want uh, whilst I'm outside or inside the house or even while I'm in a meeting. They can call me and talk to me about anything under the sun. And if there were to be any issues they want to discuss further, I will always tell them, please speak to Mama. 
um, she will explain more. This system that I have with the boys allows me to be able to be like um, friends with them because being um, a father to a teenager and two boys that's growing up very nicely, the environment is very much different now that they're homeschooled. Um, the access to internet is much more. I, I, I got to allow them to watch a lot, a lot of um, YouTube programs. And we used to practice talking at the dinner table when they were in normal school, but that can't be the case anymore with us because um, sometimes we can't even have a proper dinner together, but we have good lunch together, but we have um, weekends together. So the only way to get them to talk to me without having to malu or segan is through a WhatsApp group. And this WhatsApp group, there are many times uh, I wanted to include Azrin in, but then the boys said, no, not yet, not yet. Don't have Mama in yet. I will have different conversation with Mama. So I respect that very much because I think with the boys, they want to be able to have an emotional connection with the mum where are not lucky as, as, as almost always. Uh, they're, they're always closer to their mum so they can talk about more things with their mum. And uh, with me, it's always about something very general. And they know that I'm the one that's holding the rotan. If they don't so like. <laughs> and if they don't uh, about homework, I will come home. And dulu, I will just ask them, okay, keluarkan tangan kiri, I'll give you two rotans. And I've got six rotans they can choose from uh, in different sizes and different length, you know. And they, they can choose which rotan they want. But these days, it's just one particular rotan. I will just come home and rotan, kalau tak solat, they rotan if I found out something not right. So I've, I have become that traditional bapak yang garang pakai rotan. But at the same time, I'm also a very liberal father that can talk about anything on WhatsApp only. Because the boys are still very madu. But for some reason with their mom, um, they would prefer to have their private sessions with their mom individually. So I respect that. So I guess so far that works for us. Yeah. And also, you know, um, it's always been the case that I do go for these pre, pre-MCO. I used to go for one-on-one mom and son trips and they can be anything from two weeks to a whole month in range or if I have a working trip they'll come with me and that's the time that I use and uh, to to put things right and um, have conversations that we would normally not be able to have because of the circus that's happening at home or the fact that they have to share me with, you know, three other siblings. So that's the time when they just have me focus 100% on them. It's a good holiday. Um, it's a good time to actually sit down and, you know, find out what exactly is going on, um, especially because I have been hearing all sorts of different things. And it's not that I don't want to tackle that issue right there and then. It's just I feel that I would rather have you come up to me and say it and explain certain things and so that has worked really well and of course we can't have the dinner thing because our dinner um is it encompasses two to three different families because our families our family members there are quite a few of them and so there's always people around that should not be hearing things that should only be reserved for conversations between mom and dad Wow, uh, this is this is great. I mean, there's so many ways that we can communicate with our kids. I think it's amazing the fact that you can use WhatsApp for this, dinner time, bedtime, trips, one-on-one. That's, that's great. Um, before we go further in this discussion, I think we've got somebody up here who might want to have a question or a comment to make. Go ahead. 
Hello, everyone. Good evening. Um, I just wanted to ask a question, if, if that was all right, um, to the parents on the stage. Um, I, I wanted to ask um, if either of the parents has tried um, coaching as an alternative to talking to the kids or to passing messages across. As in um, sending them to a coaching session, like a workshop, you mean? As in um, having a either weekly or monthly uh, or personal development, self-improvement or goal-setting coaching session. Thanks for um, the question. Yeah, that's a great yeah, question, actually. Great question. Um, well, we, we, um, we do practice something at home uh, called uh, Learn Something New a Week, where throughout the week, if they have something that's uh, interesting to them or they might feel they want to find out more, uh, they discuss it with us and they put up a presentation on Google. And uh, on Sundays, we let them present. Sunday evenings is our time where they get to present what they learn every week. That's the system we practice. Um, times have been busy, so of course, I think we do miss one week or a couple of weeks. But uh, generally, we, we use these coaching sessions to use the internet in a positive way, where you can use the power of the internet to find out anything you want, as long as it's within boundaries. Thank you for the question. Yeah, um, we implemented Learn Something New um, a couple of months back because we found that the kids had a lot of interest in using the internet for research and we wanted to encourage them to use it in a more positive way. So every Sunday night, um, the kids will have to put together a PowerPoint slide or a Google Slides presentation, which they'll put up on the TV in the living room and then they will present it. So that means throughout the week, they would have been using the internet to explore and understand what they have been learning about the topic. And the topic is up to them. It has, the, the only rule is that they need to, it has to be something that they have not known before. So whether it's um, the national food of Kenya or the national something or other of another place. So they'll have to research that, come up with a topic, research that and share. But I think in terms of other, other types of um, courses or workshops, um, I do look out for one-off workshops. Um, there was one about girls' puberty um, that was being handled by, uh, uh, um, how would I say, it was a Usra, a sister's Usra organization that was organizing a talk on discussing puberty for young girl, preteen girls. And although I've already had this conversation with my daughter, but I think it's still good for her to go out there and explore puberty from other people's perspectives as well. So I do look out for these kinds of short courses, workshops, which I think may be beneficial to them. Um, there's another um, platform that I use called OutSchool. Um, it's an international um, organization and they have some very good courses. I've actually saved some that I want to use for the kids. One of them is about using Roblox safely. Um, and this is in response to the kids asking whether they could play Roblox someday. I thought maybe as a prelude to allowing them to play Roblox, it might be good to sign them up for this workshop on OutSchool, let them go through a few courses because they have a few. Um, and then once they've done that, if they want to play Roblox, then we'll put it to the test. 
So um, I don't think a lot of parents are averse to to workshops or courses or coaching if it's relevant and if the material is suited to the parents' values, the value system. Um, but yeah, I think anything can be tailored really um, to the parents' needs. I think um, if I can put, um, put a little bit of perspective into that. So I've, Fazli and I have been actually quite lucky the last um, 11 months or so because one of the subjects that um, the children are required to do as part of their homeschooling is um, skills for life. And how the modules are set up in Skills for Life is very much like workshops and coaching. And they tackle every single topic, um, issues that are prevalent uh, as a res in society and amongst the teenagers and amongst the children as a result of social media, as a result of exposure to um, the news, as a result of having to grow up a lot earlier than you know, what the previous generations have had to do. And so uh, if I could give some of the topics, one was but, um, how to internalize your thoughts um, as a person, uh, how to give voice to whatever considerations that you've made about yourself, um, how do you perceive yourself, and how do you think you project to others. So that was one topic. The second one was positive body image because of the exposure that people have to to um, all, all these you know the, 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 the examples of what beauty is or what the perfect body is or what the perf the image of perfect health is just because someone is healthy does not mean that they are muscular and have six packs and you know can lift however many kilos in the gym but it's more about how they feel about themselves, their soul, their, their mind, their emotions, and also what they put into their body in terms of food. And just because you are not the same size or the same build as other people that you see outside, you are still healthy as long as you feel a certain way or you, you are okay with a certain way and you can move in a certain way without huffing and puffing. How do you advise people who are coming to you that was another topic. How do you advise people coming to you with problems in a tactful manner? Um, how do you, there was so many, a whole myriad of topics about respecting people's cultures and differences, um, which we get on social media. You know, there, there's a lot of intolerance, a lot of bullying. That was another topic about bullying as, as well. As and as how, as yeah. Boleh tak, boleh tak kita pinjam module <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to steal some of these topics for learn something new. <laughs> bole, bole, you can have it. And the thing is, the children at the end of the topics would have to submit an assignment um, based on certain questions of what on the, on the basis of what they've learned. And they can they can do it in the form of a of a blog or a vlog or, a, you know, a, a podcast or a series of slides or even a presentation or a play to their parents. And it was just amazing the kind of things that came up as a result of that. And I think Fazli was impressed. And he was like, oh, okay, we're doing quite well. Because, you know, these sort of things were usually covered in school in Pandirikan Moral. Or you'd have to send them to a leadership course. And here we're having it practically for free. <laughs> yeah, and the best thing is, it's actually being produced by your own kids. So they're actually learning as they 
as they get the, the information for that presentation, right? Right. And I have noticed over the last 11 months um, how the boys have matured in thought and emotional well-being. And it, it's reflected in the decisions that they make as well and their conversations. So, yeah. Speaking of... So, thank of you for the question. question. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the question. In fact, any of you, if you have any questions, please feel free to, to raise your hands. We'll be happy to bring you up here. Uh, but in the meantime, I think I think we've reached that point in time where I just want to ask you guys, okay, how old are your eldest? Um, Ten. Ten. Azrin, you're, you've got a 13-year-old, right? Yes, 13. Hey, sorry. She's 11. She's 11. Sorry. Sorry. The ones that are supposed to have memories like elephants, you know? <laughs> Remember how when we were that age, one year is a big deal. It's a big difference. Anyway, okay, so my question is this. We're, we're very careful. We're very vigilant. We have these communications with our children at this age. Um, what do you think you're going to do when they are older, when they are teenagers? Uh, the question would be, do you think teenagers should be given some freedom and privacy to their online activities? Would you be changing your tactics or your strategies then? Okay, so I think uh, I'll, at first, if that's okay, um, because Faris, I have started to think about all of this now that he's already a, um, a teenager. Um, and we did have a conversation just last week because he slept. He 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 asked to, to have just one night sleeping with Mama and nobody else. And so um, I have started to think about the fact that Faris does need some privacy. He does need some trust and some respect. And there are certain things that as a teenager, he should be allowed to keep to himself. But at the same time, I did tell him, even from as, as young as um, 10, I said, look, if, if there is ever a point where you feel something is not right, never, ever hesitate to call mom and tell me. I will, wherever I am, and Fuzzy's the same, wherever we are, we will drop everything and go through hell and high water to get to you and retrieve you from whatever rut that you're in that you feel that you can't get out of. So that's how I've started to think. So I will be starting to, to pull the strings a bit, but with the knowledge that if anything happens, there's always a safety net there. Right, right. Okay, Naz, you were, you were going to say something as well? Um, absolutely not. Full autonomy? Definitely not. But there will come a time where I, I can already see the conversations with uh, with Shani, and they're not going to be pretty conversations, but uh, uh, I, I am fully on board with the fact that we cannot keep them in the, under the coconut shell forever. So all these things that we're teaching them, they have to put it to practical use. And uh, I'm, I will, my philosophy is a little bit different from Azrin's in the sense that um, I will still be here wherever you need me. But uh, when you will reach a certain age where, you know what, you've got to figure some things out for yourself. So that's where it comes, the, where, where the communication comes, where it, it must be open enough for them to approach you and go, hey, dad, I got the problem. You know, and this is the sort of thing, okay, man's got to do what a man's got to do. Or, okay, this one is over your head. This one, well, we're going to have to intervene a little bit. 
if you don't mind. So autonomy is there, uh, but in very, very limited amounts. And I'm hoping to use the the, the fishing rod thing, lah, you know, where you release a bit, you pull a bit. And they must realize that it's a privilege, not a right. This is the most important thing that I hope to instill in my children. Whatever freedoms you enjoy is a privilege which can be revoked. Inshallah, I hope they listen to me. And I hope my wife is on board. <laughs> no, so I, I, like, I like the fact that you said um, you were using a fishing rod, eh, bro. Yeah. Um, yeah okay, lah. If, if you use fishing rod, we, we use kite, you know, layang-layang. Um, bila terbang, tarik balik. If it's too fast, tarik balik. But what they don't realize is dekat tali layang-layang tu, I put a lot of kaca. If they go too fast, <laughs> tangan and I've worn them so many times and that's why like I said memang bunyi kasar but I've got the six rotans lined up in the room they can choose whichever they want and I told them sampai mula 18 I will still rotan you if you, if you misbehave well we've had Malamak this joke <laughs> <laughs> Naz and I have this joke at home when the kids do ask us they have asked us mummy about when can we have our own phones and our answer to them is always the same when you're old enough to get a job to pay for your own phone and your own phone bill, then you can have a phone. Um, we haven't had any further discussions about whether we're planning to reduce that age because probably that means they'll only get their first smartphone at 18. But I think what Naz and I are doing right now is we're putting in place the building blocks for them to be ready to have that smartphone when they actually have it. And we've also told them that if you want to have a smartphone, you must prove that you can be trusted. You must prove that you can be responsible. You must prove that you can be able to handle yourself in a responsible manner before you actually have a phone. So when we joke with them about get a job first and pay, be able to pay for your own bills, we're basically also saying you can't have a smartphone until you can prove that you're responsible and mature enough to handle it on your own. But I also love um, what Fazli shared earlier about having a WhatsApp group with his kids. And nowadays, the digital natives that we're raising, sometimes they feel a lot more comfortable sharing their thoughts and feelings over text um, than face-to-face. Than -face. And so I think if we ever do give them a smartphone a little bit earlier, say they've proven that they can be trusted at an earlier age, proven that they can be responsible, Maybe that's one of the ways that we can navigate that when we cross that bridge. And how about social media, guys? Because you know, social media, they all have this age limit where they think, uh, where they recommend a person has to be 13 years and above. And we have a lot of people who are actually 13 years and below having their social media accounts. Now, assuming we're talking about our children as older teenagers, maybe 16, would you be allowing them their own social media accounts? And if you do, would you be monitoring their messages, their notifications, their DMs and all that? Aha! No social media! <laughs> 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 but basically, I think until some of the social media platforms improve their um, parental control or, or their systems, um, we won't be allowing them to have their own Instagram or whatever. Simply because, um, like Naz was sharing earlier in the, in the conversation, that there's really no restriction on what the kids can view out there. There's so much content that is not filtered um, that doubles up as porn right here on Instagram. 
So if you're not going to be watching this, if you're not going to be allowing your kids to watch this on YouTube or on, uh, you know, on the computer um, or searching it on Google, why would you allow your kids to have that on Instagram? But at the same time, another friend of ours shared with me her method of keeping track of her kids' movements on Instagram. This would be Daphne, Daphne Iking. Um, what she does is she set up an Instagram account for her daughter, Belle, um, and they share the password to that account. So the understanding for her to have her own Instagram account is that mama will always be able to see your DMs and enter your Instagram account whenever and you need to be prepared for that. So she's got to be on her toes. Um, I know it's not fail safe, but if we ever did allow them to have social media, I think that's probably the route that we will go. Yeah, I think for Fazli and I, as everybody knows, all three boys, even Ellie has her own Instagram account. Um, but it is managed by Fazli and um, our brother uh, Imran. And um, they, we all have their passwords. We have access to their DMs with all their messages. We have access to every single thing, every single platform, every single game, every single email, every single school app that they use. Um, and that's how we regulate it quite safely. Um, even their TikTok. And I have to say that uh, as a result of being able to have that navigation for the boys, they have created some very creative content on TikTok and um, on um, what do you call this, iMovies. And they've posted, you know, they, they've started to explore their creativity in, in terms of art and the artwork that they do. Faris has discovered his passion for magic through that um, and connected with a magician and is taking lessons. Um, so there's a lot of positive sides to having access to social media and having access to technology that um, I, I'm, I'm very happy with because I do see the creative side of my kids coming up and I do see how their brains work. So that's, that's, that's an interesting thing. But will you seen. give them? Will you give them autonomy when they're about sixteen like that? The plan I, I is maybe eighteen sorry. for Mila. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the the full autonomy. I, I will decide as and when needed. I guess because there were times that when I allowed them to post of um, apni some cooking recipes that they were sharing, so they can have access to their Instagram. They can post, they can edit whatsoever. But after that, I will take it back. For now, it's on trial basis. But there's no age limit so far. I think if they can reach maturity by the age of 16, why not? But right now, I think uh, boys being boys, for that matter, their curiosity too, sometimes a little too much. So what I always do is always to go through their DMs and whatnot. And I will always ask the question, who are the girls or guys that they follow? And I, they don't, I don't allow them to just follow any accounts. It must be through a WhatsApp group approval, which has me, uh, of the social media account, and the uncle, which is Imran. So only when three of us approve of the uh, application to DM or something, baru kita orang bagi. So, so far this works, but like I said, um, uh, if they are able to manage their responsibilities well, maybe the age limit will be sooner. Tapi kalau masih tak boleh, 
it might even go to 21 because we have access to the account. So they can't just create <laughs> another account. The email semua pun kita, kita orang yang create. So it's like lepas tapi tak lepas. You, you get my meaning? I think for me, at least, um, the issue here is that even if we put the parental controls and everything, for, for I think as far as Naz and I are concerned, we're not going to allow our kids to have Instagram or any social media accounts until they learn that deleting your history is not a sign of sign that you can be trusted. You know, if we will not know, if they have an Instagram account, we still will not know what Instagram accounts they're visiting because there's no way to track the history of where they've visited. You can track what they're following, but you can't exactly track what other accounts they've seen, right? And I think kids also know very well how to delete search histories, even on Google. So I think until my kids can prove that they can be trusted in that area, that they can be responsible with what they're searching for, the the content that they're actually viewing. Um, I don't know. It's a discussion that Naz and I will have to have. Thank you, guys. Thanks. I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally with you there. I I'm personally am playing it by ear as well because I think our kids, they mature at different levels um, and the way they, they react to things that they get online or the content that they consume is also different. Um, we've got two speakers up here. Maybe Martin, you would, you'd like to say something? You first. Okay. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for letting me in, Madiha. Um, um, I, I really appreciated the sharing um, uh, by all the parents. And I'm just coming, I'm, I'm speaking up here, um, I guess, in, in my capacity as a parent, um, also to an 11 year old, and um, also as an educator working closely with students. And uh, uh, in my line of work, um, I've basically had to spend hundreds of hours one-on-one -on -one with students as young as six, um, all the way till you know, 18 for university. And basically, those were my contact points with regard to understanding what's going on in their lives, what kind of questions they have, and so on. And very often, we have to very, um, I guess, actively play uh, our part in exercising non-judgment and just just to understand um, where they're coming from and uh, in, in that regard I have come across uh, my fair a fair sh my fair share of um, revelations from students for example like a student um, asking me about squid game and basically eliciting my response to that question and meaning like what do I know about squid game of course I completed the entire season and so I shared with my student who was uh, who's nine that yes it's a show um it's not made for people younger than 18 so that was where I stopped and then she said but all my friends have seen it and they're fine so that was a really interesting conversation that you know that I knew would be pretty controversial in a way but I guess one way I had to handle it professionally was to simply um state the facts like Okay, so your friends may have seen it, um, but just understand that it's not designed for people who are younger than 18. Just just to simplify things without going into details. Um, but that got me thinking about what kind of conversation I should probably have with, say, the parents and the families of these uh, students who are my actual clients. Um, so here's throwing out this question to all parents out there. What kind of approach would you appreciate, would you appreciate from a third party, like an educator or a school? A teacher, counselor, and so on, when it comes to discussing things like um, online um, hygiene, so to speak. 
um, how, how it, what kind of things would you really not appreciate hearing from, um, from a, a professional, like a teacher? Um, just, just so, so that we can understand, like, um, how, how we can carry forward this conversation as partners in protecting all our kids. Thank you. Wow. Um, if I may, Martin, thank you so much um, for being so on the ball and so passionate about your job. I wish there were more teachers who actually wanted to understand how parents feel about this. Um, as, a, as a parent, I really, I think that teachers, educators, and parents we need to work hand in hand a lot more nowadays than ever used to be because we are both raising children together. And I think there are some things that kids feel they can discuss with their teachers that they can't discuss with their parents. And teachers are also seeing firsthand, observing firsthand what the kids are talking about in class that the kids may not feel comfortable speaking about at home. So the teacher has um, a unique perspective over what is motivating and driving these kids and their conversations. So what I would appreciate hearing from an educator would be um, special sessions between parents and teachers to kind of bridge that gap between what their kids are talking about and um, what's driving their, their conversations and thoughts and what, what they're doing online so that we can navigate that road together. Because I think different parents have different values um, and I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all approach for educators on how to handle this. Like in, in our case, you know, you may want to approach this with the child, but it may be contrary to what Azreen and Fazli are doing with their kids. Or it may be contrary to what Naz and I are doing with our kids. And so there's a, there's a lot of value perspective in this as well. Different values will influence that approach. So perhaps, you know, parent-teacher sessions to just discuss what would be the best way to move forward um, with this? Um, and maybe even different schools have different perspectives on how to approach this. My kids go to an Islamic school. So again, there's a more values-driven focus there as well. If, if, so, I, if, I, if I may um, just interject a little bit, I think you can classify parents in, in two, two, two different classes um, because I think any parent with their soul will want honesty from the educators. Because again, we don't know what we're doing. We're just doing what we think is right. But at the same time, there's another class of parents who are in denial. What you don't know how you don't know you think I don't know how to raise my children. Of course I know. Well, it's these parents that you have to be careful of in terms of what you share, because they might be sensitive about it. For me, and 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 I speak for Shani as well. And I think Adrian and, and Fazli are also on board with honesty from our educators. If we don't know what the problem is, how are we going to raise better children? I think that's the core of everything. Thank exactly. But if I can just raise that example, Martin, that you that you brought up earlier, that your students were talking to you about Squid Game. I think if I were a parent, I would want to know that my child was interested in this. So if the educator involved could actually share with the parent that, hey, your kid has been asking about Squid Game, maybe this is a conversation that you can have with your child. Um, because what I do know from the experience of our school WhatsApp group, most parents were shocked and horrified when they found out what Squid Game was actually about and would have appreciated knowing what was going on prior to their children watching it. Um, and the school knew about it first. So if educators hear about something that the kids are doing that they feel the parents should know about, I think a heads up to the parent would be very much appreciated so that we can actually deal with it on our own terms. Absolutely. Thank you.
Absolutely. I agree with Naz. I agree with Shani. Martin, seriously, um, Fazli and I, we have always had a very close relationship with our, the teachers um, when the children were, at, when the boys were attending mainstream school. Um, the teachers had our mobile numbers. They were always made to feel that they could contact us about anything anything under the sun, and especially when there are red flags. Um, or even when, especially when the child um, is expressing an interest in something that might be of benefit to them. Um, and we've always appreciated when that was the system. However, now I do understand it is very difficult and it's very frustrating for a lot of educators because the education establishment that they work in do not allow the teachers to have that closeness that we enjoyed right up to two or three years ago. So um, I would say that if, you know, approach the parent and um, try and figure out where they stand, in which group they're in, whether they're the kinds that don't tolerate any type of um, interference about their children because they think their children are perfect and there's nothing wrong with the way they've been raising their children and they know everything or determine whether the, the parent is open to having conversations with you and finding ways to tackle both groups so that you can actually have a relationship um, and find a way to be able to speak to both of them in a way that you don't get kamikaze if you say or you raise up something that might shock the parent. So I think most parents fall into the category of, please tell me what my child has been up to behind my back. <laughs> so. If I do have a suggestion though, uh, Martin, you know, whenever a new, um, a new school year begins and you're dealing with a whole new set of parents, perhaps you could send them a Google form um, to just sort of indicate what kind of involvement they want the teacher to have. Um, say, do do I want to be contacted if the teacher hears something that, that the parent needs to know about? Or no, don't contact me at all. Maybe a good uh, way to establish the ground rules early on with the parents so that at least if there are some red flags, you know how exactly to approach which parent. I mean, it may be extra work for you, but at least you can deal with that, you know, um, on the get-go. <laughs> Yeah, um, I really appreciate the perspective shared here. Um, so maybe just to clarify, I don't work for a school. Um, the company I work with is an education um, advisory um, firm. So um, basically, we help out students almost as coaches, which goes back to what uh, one person earlier asked about coaching. So when I spend one-on-one -on -one time with students, it's really for a specific learning um, goal which could be um, uh, more to do with attention or interest, motivation, um, uh, um, competency in terms of managing like workload and stuff like that. But I guess like the human contact that we actually um, enjoy from spending hours together is generally where the stories um, start um, coming up. And that's generally when I, I, I do my, I, I keep a, a diligent um, flow of journals, uh, my, my, my teacher diary as I call it, to really uh, keep track of like um, the students, um, I guess, experience so that I can have a more complete picture. Um, so maybe just to share a little bit about the practice that we follow. Um, 
at our company, we we do um, regular reporting, which is done in the form of you know like updates um, every so often. For example, every quarter or every you know ten classes completed, which is uh, of course uh, tied to the main goal. But of course, along the way, there may be concerns or um, I guess uh, things which things which may feel a bit more sensitive that we will include in the report reporting. So I guess um, it, I wouldn't necessarily like you know pounce on the issue the minute I hear the word Squid Game or you know like God of War and like my, my younger brother plays God of War and it's really violent and cool. So uh, rather it would be more of a summarizing uh, process where okay if this if this comes up again. I'll be sure to note, try to notice a trend or a pattern here, and then you know do my do my do what's necessary. But I guess the different parents do have different sensibilities and sensitivities, where they go like, oh yeah, we watched as a family last night, Squid Game, we love it. <laughs> so that's something I can't oh, control boy. and I can't predict. <laughs> it's, it's always it's always nice to hear from parents like you guys to know like what kind of um, preferences are out there in the market. So thank you again for your answer. Thank you, Martin. As a parent, I appreciate hearing from educators. I definitely. Thank you, Martin. Thank you so much for that. Um, we've got Omaima. Would you like to say something? Hi. Um, digital natives vices on devices. I love the topic. Um, I'm a teacher, social worker, mentor, coach. I, I work with your children before they get married. And I'm also an educator in the elementary school level. I'm in Canada. So um, I wanted to add to what, um, what was the educator's name that was on the stage a minute ago? Martin or Matin? So if, if we're dividing parents, someone mentioned that dividing parents in two groups, the parents that actually want to know what's going on and the parents who are slightly delusional and just think my, I know what I'm doing as a parent and I don't need anyone's input. From a teacher's perspective, I can also say that there are teachers like the teacher that was up here a few minutes ago who really want to collaborate and build a relationship with parents for the betterment of the children. But there are also teachers who have their own agendas. And what I mean by that is living in Canada, I've been here most of my life, I see that some teachers, so I've taught in public school and in Islamic schools, some teachers look at immigrant parents and refugee parents and refugee students and immigrant students as not quite uh, understanding how the world works or should work due to their faith, due to their background. It's not always a faith issue. It could be faith, it could be other things. And in that case, I've witnessed in high schools and in elementary schools where teachers take on this role of a superhero and I know what's best for this child so they will integrate into Canadian society and parents may not know. So let me protect the child from their parent and let me not share such information whatever the information is, whether the child is dating or talking about dating or is actually dating. And now we've, we've come to a point, I was speaking to someone who's in the school board, works with the school board in my community, and she basically told me that um, if a child in any grade, and I'm talking younger grades, 
comes up to a teacher and says, I don't think I'm a girl. I think I should be a boy. The whole school will rally around the child to support that child in changing their gender. So I'm all about, obviously, parents and teachers working together, but parents and teachers also need to work together for the benefit of that particular family, not for an agenda that a, a teacher or a school board or a society might have that might not align itself with the faith or beliefs or values of that family. So before, when I got on earlier, I wanted to say something. If your children are using devices, and obviously they will be, I, I, I came to know of a story of a Christian family in the States whose eight-year-old daughter, while watching cartoons, was exposed some, to some porn. It just was embedded in the cartoons she was watching, and it wasn't part of the cartoon. It was sort of the cartoon was interrupted, and then this porn stuff came on, and she had no idea what to do with it. She'd never seen anything like that. She was eight. So she kept, she cried, and she went to her mom and said, Mom, something's very scary happening in the cartoon. And the mom's like, like, what? So the parents kept watching with the girl, like they would have the screen open to the kitchen area where the mom would be preparing dinner. And so the parents eventually were able to see these tiny clips, 10 seconds, 5 seconds, 15 seconds or more, and, and realized why the girl was crying and scared because she was seeing in the middle of a cartoon, there was stuff that was embedded that was really scary for her. So what I... I came up to say earlier before I went on that tangent is that we need to learn ways of building trust between our children and, our, and ourselves, but we also need to understand that the devices and the online material is not based, it hasn't gained our trust. And we need to teach our children that these devices and applications and websites, et cetera, et cetera, there's... So it's not that I don't trust you and I'm not building trust between you and, and me as your parent. It's also that we as a family need to understand that those entities haven't provided us platforms that are trustworthy to this day. I'm done speaking. I, I totally agree with you, Omaima. That was a fantastic point. I think that's why Naz and I have taken the stance that we have because we just don't feel like a lot of the content out there and the platform providers have done a worthy enough job of keeping that kind of content offline. What and I until want, they do... What I wanted to um, express yeah. is that our as parents, look, we tell our children, I mean, I'm 58. I was told as a young girl, when you're on the street, don't speak to a stranger because that's danger. And I believed my parents immediately. It made sense to me. I never spoke to strangers. So we need, so my parents trusted me with that very complicated information that's scary for an eight year old, 10 year old, or 12 year old, whatever age I was. But I trusted them. And so I never spoke to a stranger. So we need to put those, those mediums in that place in our children's head that, my dear, this is not only about what you use it for. You see, what I'm trying to build in our our children and our youth is that this medium isn't trustworthy. I know parents know that, but we need to transfer that that awareness and that how do you say like that? I don't want to make them anxious. I want them to have that 
deep awareness and understanding that we are here to protect you. It's, 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 it's dangerous to speak to strangers. It's even more dangerous to be on your device alone. And things might pop up that aren't because you're not trustworthy. It's because there are untrustworthy people in those mediums, just like a stranger on the street. Once our kids have that in, embedded in them, they won't be scared to come up to us and say, mom, this is, this is weird. What is this? Instead of being shy or scared and sharing with their friends and their friends, obviously their peers have just as much information as they do. Right? So th that's what I meant. Like, how do we embed that ability to be, to scrutinize and to be critical so they protect themselves even while we are there protecting their backs? I'm done speaking. Um, if I can just add um, what Naz and I have done since our kids were small enough to watch, or were small, um, obviously they were exposed to YouTube at a very young age, and we had experienced such things as you were sharing just now about this kind of content being embedded into children's content on YouTube. Um, so we knew that we would never be able to control what kind of content that was coming up because it looks all, always looks so innocent on the face of it. So what we did was we gave our kids these guidelines. Um, I know you're in Canada, so maybe you may not understand, but we use the Malay, Malay terms for blood, nudity, and violence. And we had to explain to the children um, what were the things that they needed to look out for. And if they saw any of these elements in whatever they were watching, whether it was in a cartoon or in a, a film or whatever, that they were supposed to quickly switch the video and tell mommy and Abba, that they had just seen something. Um, because at that age, at a very young age, they can't understand anything more than what that is. So um, blood, bogil, which is nudity, and, and violence, which is people hurting other people or people hurting an animal, etc. cetera. Um, and fortunately for us, I think the children have been fairly open with us until today when they see something that they, that has, been, you know, has had part of that criteria in it. They've been open with us. Um, but yeah, I, I, I believe that maybe if we set the criteria for them, that's easy to understand. Hopefully that can be similar to your don't talk to strangers. I think um, for, for us, I remember there was one time where like you, um, Shani and Naz, you know, and also Omaima, we, we would tell the boys and we're telling, we're teaching Ellie the same thing, you know, don't talk to someone so readily if you don't know them. Even if they say that, you know, they're a friend of mom and dad's, don't, don't be so open to letting them anywhere near your vicinity. Azreen, are you okay? I thought it was me. Azreen, are you still? <laughs> I don't know. She seems to have disappeared for a bit. But just to pick up from what Azreen was saying, um, yes, I missed out that very important aspect, which is um, people approaching you online. Um, and I think this is very important because Naz and I have gone through this as well. Children tend to overshare online whether it's giving out their email address because they want to subscribe to free online games, which is very dangerous. They underestimate how big a deal that is because once they give out their email address and they sign up for some free online game that is opening the door for all of these sites to start sending them spam 
porn and whatever not. Um, and children tend to overshare the simplest of things about themselves, where they go to school, how old they are, how many siblings they have, etc. what they talk about with their parents. And I think we need to also teach our children never share any personal information about yourself. And we don't do this enough. Yep, I absolutely agree. In fact, Shani, one of the things that we always do at the Content Forum is to actually talk about how um, navigating the internet should be a life skill for kids. It's something that needs to be taught at home and also in schools. Because like it or not, I mean, even if you guys are very strict about your, your child's access to devices, at the end of the day, they do have to access devices for online schooling. And we really can't be there all of the time, right? So it's really about equipping them with these skills um, in order for them to identify the risks that are out there, the dangers that are out there, and, and how to deal with it. And, and yeah, I totally agree with everybody who's spoken today um, about the fact that we need to have that open line of communications with our children so that they can, in any event, if anything happens, if, if you know, if the bolos you got to, to take Naza's statement, if, if there is a situation where they find themselves uncomfortable or, or threatened, um, at least they can communicate that with us. Um, this has been really, I, I'm really sorry, you guys. It's taken almost two hours of your time this evening, but I'm, I've personally learned a lot from all four of you. And I really think that everything in this is in this discussion is something that I should be uh, spreading and which I will be spreading as, as a form of awareness as well, because there's really a lot that I've learned from the very beginning about the fact that there are videos of dolphins making love with women, which I never thought of happening. Um, and also the many ways that we can do to open these lines of communications. But uh, thanks for, for being here. But just to wrap up, uh, maybe we could do a round table. Azrin's back. Um, just just a simple line or, or what what words of wisdom or warnings do you have for other parents out there uh, if you could start over is there something that you would have done um differently with your children uh, let's go alphabetical order so <laughs> Azrin, you first um okay so words of wisdom what can i say i think the one thing that i've learned over the years is basically not to especially this year is not to treat social media or technology as your enemy but try and figure out ways to make it your friend try to figure out ways to make it friendly for the children and safe for the children um, if there are any educational values to certain things then try and use the social media and technology as a way of education um, so that they are more self-aware. Um, there are a lot of benefits, just like there are a lot of traps and a lot of things that can go wrong. Communication, extra vigilance, um, and being open. And try not to be so judgmental or rigid with your children, because then that is a block to the communication. Uh, no matter what we try and do, people are always going to find ways to try and get to our children. It's whether we can be ready or not. And just like Naz earlier when we started this conversation, hey, we were kids once. We used to find ways around our parents and their booby traps. If, you know, I know exactly where your head's at because I was at one point at your age and where you're standing and where you're thinking. Try and put yourself in your child's shoes. If they're probably thinking this way, how can you preempt them as well? That's all I have to say. 
Thanks, Azreen. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Fazli, Dr. Fazli, words from you? All right, um, if I may, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, conclude into five different tips, which I usually give to parents and also to um, teenagers or even young adults when it comes to um, managing social media and managing um, expectations online. These five things are, number one, um, you've got to encourage your kids to be their own person. Um, they can't pretend to be somebody else they're not, and um, they have to be true to themselves. And uh, number two, they've got to be nice online. Don't say mean things. And basically, you can't really hide behind a screen and be the netizens always uh, saying the wrong things online and hide behind all the keyboards or becoming a keyboard warrior. Kids be, need to be taught all that. And number three, um, they've got to think about what they want to post, what they want to do online, what they want to search. Um, remember that once it's out there, it's out there for everyone. And number four, um, don't add people you don't know. And always ask your parents first and always teach your kids about adding friends on Facebook, um, on TikTok or uh, sending DMs. They need to know who they're speaking to first or at least ask someone that they can trust. And last but not least, um, most importantly, never send inappropriate pictures or engage in sexual or strangers. Never, never, never. Yeah, so those are my um, key five things that I always share with the kids and also parents. Thank you very much. Thank you. I think those five five words of wisdom or advice is really something that all of us could use. I really wish I had been more um, cautious about who I add into Facebook because right now I have no idea who I have on my Facebook. Uh, that's something I wish I could go back to. Um, so Nas, it's your turn. Words of wisdom from you, please. My goodness, a lot has been covered tonight. I'm going to stick with uh, Azrin and Fadli's points. Uh, on those notes, uh, we are definitely on the same page. Uh, what I'd like to add here is maybe on us parents, lah, kan? we add a lot of pressure on ourselves. Um, and sometimes when things go wrong, we, we blame ourselves a lot. I think it's important for us parents to take a step back and um, we will make mistakes along the way or things might, as, as the word we like to use today is bolos or things still go through. It's important to not blame yourself or hit yourself too hard or think that, oh no, my child is damaged forever. Uh, it's part and parcel of growing up in this age of information, or should I say the age of misinformation. If there's anything else I'd like to add, um, just remember that it is the age of misinformation. So children must know once they read something on the internet, it's not the gospel truth. There are many facets to it. That's why communication, I think all of us have been pressing this point home uh, all the way, the old way of uh, raising our kids just does not work. I'm the parent, you're the child, shut up and listen. That just does not work anymore in this new age. So parents out there, um, don't beat yourself too hard. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Nas. I personally appreciate that very much because throughout this conversation, listening to the kind of things, the kind of initiatives that you guys have taken, I felt that guilt. Like, I should have done that, or I really should have done that before. I really should institute that now. I really should be more careful. But, you know, you're right. Sometimes as parents, we, we guilt trip ourselves a bit too much. Um, you know, but it's really good to have these conversations because you really learn a lot from other people and other parents who are just trying to navigate their way through just like us, right? Um, Shani, please, your turn. Thank you, Madiha. Um, I think a lot of um, what Naz and I are doing with our kids is actually based off our own mistakes. We have made our fair share of mistakes when it comes to raising our kids with technology. Um, and I think 
a few things are very clear from this conversation. Number one, we have to accept that media and technology is a part of life and we cannot prevent our kids from accessing these things. But how much of it they access, I don't think there is a one size fits all approach because some parents may have a different set of values compared to others. So that comes down to the individual family and they need to navigate that with their kids. Now, when it comes to navigating that with your kids, a lot of parents have no idea what their kids are doing online. So if you're going to give your kids access to smartphones and social media, by all means do so. But with a caveat, you must be prepared to be how many steps ahead of them. You have to be vigilant. You can't just give it to them and say, okay, I've done my job. You have to be two, three, four, five steps ahead. Educate yourself on the risks out there. And then it is your responsibility to communicate with your children why you are implementing these steps. So if, for example, you're not allowed to do this or you're allowed to do that, you have to be prepared to explain to your children and have a communication, a discussion with them on why they are allowed to do things and why they're not allowed to do certain things. So I think as long as we keep that communication open about the reasons why we have implemented certain rules, um, I think we will be okay and um, give ourselves a pat on the back that we are doing our best. That's all for me. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for the sharing. Very frank, uh, very thorough, very insightful. And thank you to everybody who stayed with us so far. Uh, for the for the past two hours, we really hope to be able to share this in a form of a podcast if you guys are okay with that, because I really think there's a lot of value that can be taken from this dialogue. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you thank so much. You, thank you for having us. Thank you, thank you, so you Madiha. Thank you, Nas. Thank you, Shani. Thank you, Adi Thank Adisaya. you, Fazli. Thank you, Smorang. <laughs> and I will never look at dolphins the same way ever again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. <laughs>